You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hi, everyone. I am Martina Cunha, and you're listening to Backstage Talk. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Backstage Talk. Today's guest is the incredible Ed Bell. He is a songwriter, author, and music educator with Christian Duhamel. He wrote the Cleveland award-winning musical My 80-Year-Old Boyfriend for Broadway actress Teresa Bertels. The show has been run at the Merrimack Repertoire Theater, the Arizona Theater Company, and the Human Race Theater Company in Dayton, Ohio. Ed is also the author of seven popular books on songwriting, including the best-selling book, The Art of Songwriting. He was previously an artist in residence at Pearl Animation Studios in Shanghai, China, and he's worried on projects across the world at theaters, including London's Soho Theater and Crazy Cox, New York Signature Theater and Duplex Cabaret Bar, Leeds Playhouse, and at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. Ed I am really, really happy to have you here. Welcome to Backstage Talk. Hi, hello. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. So, Ed, what did I miss from your bio? Tell us a little bit more about yourself. Yeah, sure. So, I I mean, you know, like most artists, I do tons of different things, but basically I'm mostly uh, a writer, uh, a musician in different ways. Um, so I do a fair amount of theater work, um, particularly uh, composition, lyric writing, um, writing shows. Um, I also do a lot of education work. I have an online business called The Song Foundry, where I teach people songwriting either one-to-one or um, through content and blogs and, and the books that I have. Um, and yeah, I think that's that's the kind of the, the, the main things um, that I do. So it's a nice mix of some writing, but also kind of related writing work. That is incredible. And yes, as many of us artists, we need to be like multi-hyphenates. So it's incredible that you have your education business, but you also write and and write not only lyrics, but music. um, And you have your book. So that's incredible. So what would be a random fun fact about you? Well, I had a little thing about this and... um... I'm actually, I'm going to tell, there's a couple of different things I could say, but I'm going to tell you my super cool, super New York 
theatrical story. There was one time, so you might be able to tell, I have a slightly mixed accent. I have a slightly weird accent. People often can't tell where I'm from. I was born in the UK. I'm in the UK right now. But I did live in New York full time um, for three years, a few a few years ago. Um, and during the time I was there, a friend from London at that time um, was working on a few different TV projects, a TV producer. Um, and basically he managed to get, at that time he was working with Ian McKellen on this project and managed to get me and a couple of other friends invited to this super cool party on this very New York, very New York kind of party on the Upper East Side in New York. Um, and I think I was partly invited because there was a, well, there was a piano there, but it was a super special piano. It was the piano that Oscar Hammerstein owned. So obviously that passed down, you know, through family and generations. Yeah. So the piano was there um, and my friend was like, well, nobody really plays it apparently. So we'd love you to come and maybe you can just sit in the corner and, you know, and do some of that. So I did, but as I said, so yeah, so Ian McKellen was at this party, it was super fun. And there was a moment he was just like, you know, he gave a little speech and he just wanted to sing. He decided he wanted to sing, I am what I am from Lakasha Fall. Um, I didn't know it. I had to pull it up on my phone for the chords. But so basically, Ian McKellen led the whole room in song while I got to play Oscar Hammerstein's piano in the corner. So it's definitely one of my coolest stories. So That yeah. is amazing. I mean, yeah. I, <laughs> so it's kind I of, it's, you know, I mean, it's a bit random. It's like, it's one of those, you know, those New York stories that is so super random. I did not see that coming. I did not think that was going to be on my life. Um, you know, my life card, but that's what happened. So that was super fun. <laughs> yeah, and that, that's just amazing to like yeah, play the same piano. Right, I mean, that yeah. was the thing, that was the thing. So so yeah, I wish I'd got a picture. I didn't get a picture, unfortunately, <laughs> but it was one of those, yeah, one of those New York moments. <laughs> I, I love it. So let's double click on musical theater and yeah. your craft as an artist. So yeah, what, sure. when when did you know, when did you have that like that magic moment in which you yeah. said, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life? Right, yeah, 100%. That's a really good question. So I'd always kind of, you know, even as a kid, I think like, like a lot of us, I'd, you know, I'd been to shows with family and that was a thing I enjoyed. And I took piano lessons, you know, when I was like seven. Um, years old and I'd always done bass you know I used to write songs when I was like 10 years old and things like that that obviously you know never got performed but were just fun things for me to do but the big moment I had when I sort of decided um, that I wanted to make musical theater my specialism I was actually doing I was living in London at the time I was actually doing a, a master's degree so I was super lucky to be able to do that in um, in like contemporary or classical composition, because that's really kind of what's available in the UK if you want to study music writing. Um, it's kind of in that world. Um, and so I was doing that, and there was one moment I remember going home to speak to my parents, and I was like, you know, I'm really, I'm enjoying the course. It's really interesting. I'm learning a lot. But I don't know. I don't know. I just feel like I want to do theatre more. That just seems more interesting to me. And it sounds really crazy now, but like my parents were just like, well, why don't you do that? Like, what's the what's the thing? Because I think I was in this kind of parallel world, um, you know, that was interesting and fulfilling me in different ways, but wasn't kind of my main thing. So that was the moment I was like, oh, yeah, no, I can do this. And this, you know, theater writing can be a thing to, to specialize in. Um, and yeah, and so, so that was that really. I started working on more projects specifically in that world. And yeah, that's kind of how we got here. Uh, so, you know, this is like 12, 13 years ago now, but, but that's it basically. That's incredible. And since yeah. then, you've done a lot. Like, you've right. built your business, you've written a, a lot of books, you've written shows, so that is incredible. Thank um, you. And 
in in all this like sphere of theater why musical yeah. theater right because yeah, you can also do music for like straight plays or other types of theater dance pieces but why specifically musical theater right yeah that's a really good question and and it really has been a thing that i absolutely focused on like i don't you know i i, I would never say never but it's never interested me as much to write you know like background music incidental music i have friends that are very good at that i have friends who do a lot of like film music or tv and that has never really appealed to me in the same way i mean i think that there's a ton of things with theater i think one is one is that it's live. It's just like it's a one-off. You know, even the even these kind of like Broadway Western shows that have run for 30 years or whatever, you know, um, it's like it's a one-off. It's a happening there in front of you. It's different every night, depending on the audience and how it how, how it goes and stuff like that. So that's definitely part of it. But I also think part of it is um when you bring songs into a story in a really kind of integrated and meaningful way that it's not the music is just not an an extra thing it's a like really important part of what goes on and you know that's the whole thing with with a great musical you have the music and the story and these songs and all the visual elements costumes and lighting whatever that it's just for me it's just a much kind of like deeper emotional experience you know it's just and i think that's the thing when people you know you go to broadway west end or it doesn't even have to be a show you know in a theater that, that, that's that big when it's a good show you come out and you're just like yeah i really felt something i saw things that were exciting i heard these you know these amazing songs this amazing live music and it's just the way you can kind of like there's kind of no art form like it right there's no art form with so many different things that you kind of push together um to make one thing and when it's good it's it's really good so i think that was the that was the thing it took me a while to figure that out but i think that was the thing underneath that was kind of pushing me I love it. Into this. I, that that is that yeah, that is incredible. So what's your writing process like for a show? Because you yeah. you write lyrics, you also write music. Where do you start? Or yeah. Yeah. I wanna so pick it, your brain a little bit. Yeah, no, that's another really good question. And I, I think I mean the first thing to say is every you know, and I, I I talk about this a lot in in my songwriting education work as well, and I don't just work with musical theatre writers actually, most of them there aren't, but it, but it's the same whether you're doing it, whether you're talking about it. That there there really is no like one size fits all process. It really depends on the project. It depends on who you're working with, and like you say, sometimes if you're writing, sometimes I'll write just the music, sometimes it'll be music and lyrics. A very occasionally it's just the lyrics. That doesn't happen that often but what i will say with musical theater is usually the first thing is to figure out the story is to figure out the plan is to figure out like kind of what the big the big picture of what you're trying to create or achieve um is going to be because i know I, we might talk a bit more about it later but when we were working on my intro boyfriend which is this one woman one actress musical um and so it's a full-length musical it's about 100 minutes long so like a full length with an intermission no that's a light doesn't have an intermission how did i not know that um but um but one of the big things about writing that show is we spent a long time being like what is the story or like how do we want to use music to like tell this story like what's the whole point of having this stuff here and lots of conversations about what we wanted the kind of show to be so I think you know it's that joke like in musical theater which comes first the music or the lyrics and you're like no it's the book I think there's a lot of truth in that that very often you want to be like like what 
what are we writing about? What's the, you know, especially when you have multiple collaborators in the room, like, you, you know, I can't write one version of a show and the people I'm collaborating with can't write a different version of the show because then you end up obviously with a total mess. So, um, so yeah, usually there's a lot of conversations about kind of what's going on, you know, what's the plan. And then I think from there, I think I heard Stephen Schwartz say this about, was it writing Wicked or something like that? Um, you kind of often just start with like the path of least resistance. Like what is the song? I know a few times with my HO boyfriend, my, with my co-writer, Christian DeMel, often he'd be like, oh yeah, I have an idea for the like lyric of this song. And so he'd go off and do that. And I'd be like, well, great, bring that back. And, and then he might be like, don't really know about that song. So what's that? How do you feel? I might be like, oh no, I have an idea. Let's roll with that. So you really just like, you know, obviously it takes a long time to write a, um, any show, you know, even a, even a relatively short show, there's obviously a lot of stuff to, to throw in there. Um, so often, yeah, once you've kind of got a plan, it's like, what's the, what feels like an easiest first start? And it's usually not the opening number. Opening numbers are often written last. That's the thing people, you know, aren't always aware of. Um, sometimes, you know, it's the big ballad song or it's just another moment that feels like, oh, that feels like a good jumping off point. Um, and then you just do that and then you see if it works and if it works great, it stays. And if it doesn't, which it usually doesn't, then you rewrite it, you change it, you kind of mix it up. And if you do that for long enough over and over again, eventually you have a show, you know, that's more or less ready to share with the world, you know. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Yeah, absolutely. So let's dive a little bit deeper on this um, yeah. award-winning musical of uh, my 80-year-old boyfriend. How was that process like, working with Christian and writing, rewriting, doing trials, doing workshops? Right, right. Exactly. So this this show is interesting in some ways that it was actually conceived. So we wrote the show for this, this actress, Carissa Bertel. She's a Broadway actress based in New York. Um, and she kind of originated the idea for the show. Carissa's an amazing actress. She also does work in production, but she's kind of a new musical theater specialist. Like she wears lots of different hats, but the kind of common theme is new musicals. And she was thinking about projects that she wanted to work on. And so in real life, she had um, an eight-year-old friend. So obviously, you know, so she kind of jokes about it being an eight-year-old boyfriend. She, in real life, she's she's married, um, but she basically had this real life eight-year-old man when she was a 30-something actress um, who was this kind of like surprising, again, like only in New York, one of those stories, um, a very different friend that she kind of con- like contrasted with and they just managed to, they, they learned a lot from each other and they, which was just a really interesting, unique friendship. And she just had this moment of like, this is what 
I want to work on. This is a story, and you know, there's tons of different parts of the show. But she was like, this is a story that needs to be told. This is a story that needs to exist in the world. So how am I going to make this happen? And so Christian, my co-writer on the show, is a really good friend of Carissa, one of um, Carissa's best friends. And so she brought him on, and they started talking about stories and stuff like that. And Christian was like, okay, this is great, but I think we should work with, um, you know, with a separate composer and potentially co-lyricist, which is eventually what I became. And Christian, I had met through a program in New York called the BMI Lehman Engel Musical Theatre Workshop, which you might be familiar about, some of you guys listening might be familiar about. Um, and yeah, so we, I just moved to New York to do that program. We'd met through that. Christian and I sat down and had a chat about the show and it felt like a good fit. And so that was that. That was the kind of very beginning of it. Um, but from there, if I remember rightly, there was like um, there's like a New Works Festival in New York. There's tons of, you know, London, New York, have all these kind of places where you can just try ideas out. Mm. And we applied for that, not sure we would get it. And we did. And I think we had like three or four weeks to like come up with 40 minutes of material. So we really just, we just really did that thing of like fail fast, you know, throw stuff against the wall and see what sticks. And we came up with, yeah, it was about 40, 45 minutes of material, maybe like five or six songs, like full songs and other bits and pieces of other stuff. And we put up this very rough and ready version of the show. Um, there was maybe 20, 30, 40 people in the audience. I, I don't remember exactly. Tons of friends, you know, and, and people like that. And once it was done, people were like, yeah, this feels like a thing. This feels like, you know, this feels like a thing that is worth, you know, spending, you know, um, a lot of you guys listening probably, you know, will, will know it takes a long time to write a musical. Like the average, often, you know, six, seven, eight years is a, is a not super long time, you know, to write a musical in less than like two or three years is, is very fast. So, you know, so it's obviously like, did we want to keep going with this and see where it went? And we did. And the people, you know, the people that were there um, responded to it in a way. We were like, oh, yeah, I think there's there's something in that. So that was that. And then basically over a period of kind of the next, I think, two years, we did a similar thing a couple of times. Obviously, we new songs, more material, things like that. And eventually got to a stage. We did a full presentation, um, invited kind of really casually, actually, a couple of producers. We knew it wasn't even like an official showing or an official tryout or anything like that. Um, and from that, we managed to engage a commercial producer, and that's kind of how everything went on from there. And we got the show um, in front of people and in, in front of theaters and stuff like that. So, yeah, it was just really a lot of, again, trying stuff out. What's really interesting is from the first, the very first reading we did, this 40 minute version that was very rough, is I think there was like two songs that pretty much sailed through all of the developments and didn't change at all. So a few maybe like maybe tiny changes to a lyric or like, you know, like an extra key change and, you know, something like that. But on the whole, yeah, there was these kind of two songs in particular, the closing number, and there's like a big ballad number called um, The Love Left Behind, which for whatever reason, they just seem to kind of sail through while everything around them changed. And there's about, we have about at least half a dozen full songs we wrote out that were cut at some point, you know, whatever, but with tons of small changes to just kind of like send the story in a slightly different direction. Or there was a whole, oh my God, I remember there was a whole song called... There's a, there's a really beautiful moment in the show where Carissa is this, you know, this younger actress buys Milton, the older man, like a cordless phone because he keeps tripping. He's got a wired phone and he keeps tripping up over it in the apartment. And now that's like three lines of dialogue and it works great. And he's like enchanted by this phone. Um, 
but originally we had this whole like four minute song called crazy space age magic and it was just about like all the things in the world right now that like someone in their 80s might like know exists but not be familiar with them and it was a really fun song but it was just like we don't need to ex- you know it was like a moment that's like it's not worth exploding for three minutes into a song it's a fun moment for about 15 seconds of dialogue but like so that was that so there's a few things like that and the, the song still exists somewhere I could pull them out at some point but but yeah but I think that's pretty representative of developing new musicals you know just again because there's so many different elements you're trying to get right and there are so many um I think it's also that thing of like when you start a new musical especially something that's original that's not based on like a novel or a film or something like that you can kind of do anything which is amazing and freeing and and super exciting but that also because you can do anything you're also like well what's the best thing or how you know there's so many different ways to kind of crack an egg is that the phrase i don't know there's so many different ways to go about it um with something like that so it means just trying a ton of stuff out and seeing what works and that's the only way to to kind of do it but luckily christian and carissa my co um co-authors on the project both amazing artists but also incredible you know incredible artists for like new work and you know we really found ways to support each other and get into a space where we would just try something out and even if it totally sucked and totally failed that's just part of the process and then it goes you know it goes in the trash can and you try something else or you like you don't put it all in the trash can you put half of it in there and, and figure something out so so yeah it was just really like a lot of that over a period of years um that it came together but that's incredible and wh- where is the show now are you yeah so we um, or well right now i can't tell you any specific details because we don't know what's gonna there's a couple theaters that we're potentially talking to um we've done three full productions now so like three kind of um they've been slightly different lengths but typically like three or four weeks or five five weeks i think we did in arizona um but yeah so there's a couple things we're kind of um sounding out but there's nothing official i can share with you yet but um but yeah that's where we're at with it love it Love it. So what, like seeing your whole journey in the industry at a high level, Mm. how would you summarize it? Right. How would you summarize your journey in this industry? Yeah, sure. That's a really good question. I mean, I think, you know, I've been doing this 10, 11, 12 years now. Um, And the kind of crazy thing is kind of like, what's that phrase? Like, Every, like hindsight's twenty twenty. It's kind of a bit like that. That when you look back, you can kind of see the pieces coming together. When you're living it, it's really hard to connect things like that. But it really just has been a kind of like step by step. This thing led to this thing, led to this thing, led to this thing. In a kind of really, really small way. Because um, yeah, one of the things that led to you know my age boyfriend, I made this decision, and I was lucky that I could you know move to New York to do this program, the BMI program which is how I met Christian, which, you know, is, is, is how all of that happened. So, yeah, it really just is. I think that's one of the hardest things when um, when you're starting out is you feel like you have to do something big. You know, you feel like you have to, like, turn up at some, like, Broadway producer's house and be like, I've written the best new musical you'll ever see. And, like, they're like, yeah, you and, like, a hundred other people. But, like, you know, so so that that's not how this thing works. And, again, you know, we keep talking about Broadway, or I keep talking about Broadway and West End. There are obviously two types of theatre that, you know, are particularly get a lot of visibility, but they're certainly not, you know, the only types of theatre. Um, but, yeah, it really is. It's kind of like, or I say sometimes with the songwriters I work with, it's really, like, looking 
you know, you can only see so far ahead, but like that, your kind of next challenge is right in front of you is one way you can say that it's like, what, you know, what can you do to take a kind of step forward? You know, because I think a lot of us are focused on where we want to end up, you know, and part of it is in this world of theater, you know, we don't get that much say in where that happens. There's so much luck and things coming together at the right time and mostly not coming together at the right time. There's a lot of waiting around and waiting for things to happen. But yeah, the, the, I think the biggest thing, you know, being where, where I am is you just see that it is just like, you know, even small things that help you move forward are the things that lead to the next thing, you know, and I think pretty much everyone's, everyone's trajectory as an artist is, is kind of like that. And luckily not all of the time, but most of the time when you do things, it tends to lead to, to other things. And that's kind of what, you know, what you do. And if you do that long enough, fingers crossed, it kind of, you know, it works out to some level of stability though, though, you know, even being 10, 11, 12 years in this, there's not anywhere near as much stability as I thought there might be. That makes sense. You know, that there's that, like the joke, um, you know, even big, even big Broadway Western stars sometimes finish a show and they're like, I don't think I'll ever work again. I don't know if I'll ever work again. Cause you don't know, you know, you, you don't. Know. So yeah, I think that's pretty much it. How, how this kind of panned out. I love it. I love it. And, you basically just gave a piece of advice, but I want to re-ask you. What would yeah. be a piece of advice you would give to someone starting in this industry or that is currently like stuck in yeah. any artistic process or just wants to be part of our industry? Yeah, 100%. I mean, I think the biggest thing, I know I sort of touched on this, and it really is as simple and as complicated as just get started do something do anything I know that sounds really easy to say but it really just is like again you know even just writing a show even if it never gets put on even if you just write it for yourself and it's just in your bedroom or you, you know you write it with with friends and it's just it exists on a hard drive or it exists on you know manuscript paper or whatever that is a huge achievement because there's just so much work involved but you have to start somewhere as I said like it takes years usually to write a show um and uh yeah you you really have to start somewhere and i think it's, it's the same with the creative side of it to finish a show you really just have to start you just have to decide that this is a thing you're going to focus on for a while or you know like kind of like we do the my job boyfriend dip your feet in the you know in the pool a little bit try it out write a couple songs write uh you know like a treatment a summary sometimes people do or with a play they'll write a scene just to kind of play around try it out um, and that's how you get that done. But equally in terms of like getting stuff produced and it is really hard and there's, you know, there's never, th there are loads of people who are trying to get their, you know, their work on and there aren't that many theaters and there's always like, there's, there's nowhere near enough money, you know, to get There's, there's, it's just there's a whole thing for like getting people, you know, it's, and again, that's true for even writers who are pretty well established, um, opportunities to stage stuff are really rare and really hard to find but the way I think you kind of start moving forward that is just to go with what again whatever opportunities are right in front of you you know if you just even if it's just you know you have like you have four or five actor friends and you just want to be like hey you guys do you want to come around I've like written this thing why don't we just kind of like no frills just sing through this thing or, or chat through this thing or just whatever it is, or, you know, you get an opportunity to put something on just in any space, you know, a black box space without even, you know, without even that much in there, 
just mm-hmm. to just to get something moving to get the ball rolling because I think you know I think even now a lot of us have this fantasy again that we'll just we'll come with this idea in our heads and we'll like you know we'll end up at like dinner sat next to some you know amazing like producer with all this money and they'll be like oh my god this is the perfect thing you know have unlimited money have unlimited resources we're going to make this a thing and that doesn't happen for anyone you know that's not that's not whatever it is. So again, it's just like, what, what can you do to be putting stuff out there? And it's really hard. I don't want to kind of undermine like that. It is creating stuff is really hard finding like paths to get stuff produced. And I think at the moment as well, like with the, you know, I know the pandemic is done, but like the world economy is a mess and everything is super expensive and whatever. So I think people are, people are stressing out even more than, um, than, than usual at least I know in New York and London at least people are like oh like how are we ever gonna get through this we will um but but yeah it is just you know going where there is a path and kind of like I think as a creative artist you kind of get used to the like default answer being no but you keep trying anyway like you know that's saying that like you get not even a hundred rejections to one yes you know it's probably like a thousand or something but you just keep trying you know wherever you can and that's kind of, yeah, that's kind of, it. and it's also, you know, it's also true, you know, because I told you I do, you know, I do a lot of education work, but as a, just becoming a good writer is how you do it. You write bad things, you know, bad, but promising things is how you start, you know, and I have those songs again, I wouldn't show them anyone because I'm a bit embarrassed, but you know, even, even from sort of 15, 20 years ago, some of the music I was writing when I was doing my master's degree or, or something like that, obviously you get better and better, but you really have to push through that phase being like, you know, this is, this is, has promise in a way. It's not as good as I would like it to be, but you really have to push through that. Just, uh, yeah, same with acting, same with singing, all these things. You just have to be kind of bad at something for a while and tolerate being bad at something to get what you're trying to be. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Absolutely. We've all gone through that. Like, right. If, if I went back to what I wrote when I was in college, right now it would be like, maybe let's keep it in the drawer. <laughs> right, right. And that's all, you know, and that's all, that's all fine. Um, but yeah, it just is. You, you just have to like, there's this great phrase about songwriting, that songwriting can't be taught, but it can be learned, right? That like, you know, and so in my education work as a songwriter, really, it's not like being, uh, it's not even like being a guitar or singing teacher. Where it's like, you know, this is the technique. This is how you do it. It's really about giving people the kind of opportunities and kind of encouragement and feedback to really like teach themselves how to write songwriting, you know, how to write songs. Sorry. Um, and it's the same. Yeah, it's the same with theater shows. Theater shows are really hard. You know, to write a good theater show is really hard. And there's so many things. There's like 17 dimensions to think about all at once. And yeah, so you just start by, you know, as you, you know, where you can. And after a while, you get better and better. Um, and yeah, and you eventually get used to the fact that you are going to be a bit embarrassed by things you wrote, you know, or things even a year or two ago. What's that phrase? Yeah. Like, if you're not embarrassed by who you were six months ago, you're not growing fast enough or something like that. That's uh, that's not just a theater thing. Um you know, that isn't, so that's that. And you just learn. Yeah, you just you get better the more you do. You know, it's just like the gym putting in reps or whatever. So, yeah, the sooner you start putting in those reps, you soon as you start kind of like feeling things out, the kind of sooner things will will progress. Is like, Again, yes. is as simple and complicated as that. Yes, absolutely. So last question. Yeah. What are your top five favorite musical theater shows? 
Oh yeah, that's another good question. And I have to say it changes all the time. Um, I feel like, uh, I feel like I don't like, I don't like picking, I'm glad you said five, because if you said one, I would, I would really struggle. I, would, <laughs> I wouldn't be able to give you a good answer on that at all. Uh, so yeah, it changes all the time. But what I was going to say is, um, let me think about the shows that right now seem to be in my brain or I'm listening to quite a lot. So I was going to say, so I, I was in New York a couple of times this year. Um, cool which was really, really fun. Um, and I did get to see, I know it's closing soon, but I did get to see Beetlejuice, which is one of my favorites right now. I think I really love um, Eddie Perfect, the guy who wrote, I think is Australian, um, but it has, it definitely has a like, British people are known for sometimes a kind of like sarcastic humor or like irreverent humor. And so it really ticks those boxes for me. So I had a really, really great time. Um, seeing that oh and I also saw in, in in New York sometime this year which is also closing um, A Strange Loop which I just thought was so so brilliant it's quite niche um, some of you guys might know listening it's um, it's uh, it's a musical about a black queer writer and about you know all of the the baggage that comes with that um, and so it's you know and it's great that that, that something like that could be made you know and could be put not even made but put on at that level but in itself it's an amazing piece of theater and it's one of those shows that I just can't I think even since the first time I heard it, I can't stop thinking about it and the messages it sent. so I really enjoyed that um randomly when I'm on the subway on the bus or the train at the moment I'm listening a lot to dream girls I don't know um I don't know what that's about but I'm enjoying that it's kind of making me it's really cold in London right now um, so that seems to be bringing me some like sunshine and warmth. So I am enjoying that. Um, the other show I was going to say, um, so I, yes, yeah, so obviously we had the pandemic. I'm sure you guys know that. Um, but yeah, one of the first shows I saw after the pandemic was actually, it was in Barcelona. I got to see a production of Fame there. I think they called it Fame. I don't know if they call it Fama. Um, and so, yeah, we were talking about it earlier. I, I speak pretty good Spanish. I'm not fluent. I speak pretty well. And I know the show Fame super well. It was one of the shows I really fell in love with as a kid. Um, and so, yeah, it was really amazing. We'd actually done our production of My Age Your Boyfriend at Arizona Theatre Company just before. And one of the great things about writing a one-woman show, obviously, we had no idea this was coming. But when there was the pandemic, obviously, having one actress and one pianist on the stage, you know, it, it made it a lot easier. It was one of the reasons I think Arizona Theatre Company wanted to op kind of reopen after the pandemic with our show. Um, so yeah, so there I was in Barcelona. I was just visiting for 10 days. Didn't even know the show was on. Saw it was on, saw it advertising a bus. And I was like, oh my God, I have to go and see that. And it was just like so, it was so amazing just to see like more than two people on the stage for the first time in a couple of years. But it also is such a great score and such a great show in general. Um, and then finally, I was going to say a show that I kind of went back to a lot during the pandemic, which some of you guys may know of, you may not. There's a there's a TV musical, kind of it's a TV series, actually, a musical TV series called Galavan. I don't know if you're familiar with that. It's by. Um, right. So this is the thing. It's not as well known as it probably should be. So the music is by Alan Menken, the, you know, the Disney writer. Yeah. yeah. Um, with lyrics by Glenn Slater, who did the lyrics for the Little Mermaid version on stage and um, Tangled and Chanted, I think. Um, and Sister Act, so, the, you know, worked with Alan Menken a ton of times. Yeah, and it's really fascinating. It's kind of a like, it's like a medieval England setting. So it's kind of, would you call it a sitcom? I, I don't I don't know. Um, but like, I think it's like 25 minute episodes, um, kind of like, yeah. And so it's like kings and queens and, you know, and servants and peasants and that whole world. 
but it's this like hilarious irreverent comedy it's kind of like alan menken writing like monty python style songs it's kind of somewhere between like monty python and disney it's called galavant there's two seasons the albums i'm pretty sure they're on spotify and apple music and all of that um and yeah there's just tons of hilarious songs and in the second season you have tons of guest artists like kylie minogue is in it randomly matt lucas is in it weird al is in it um Oh, they obviously had the budget for the second season. But yeah, there's some really, really brilliant and hilarious and irreverent songwriting. So I think, was that five? I think that was yes. five. But yeah, yeah so was- again, no particular order. There's way more. You know, I could ask me tomorrow, I'd have a different list. But that is my five. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much. It has been oh, my so pleasure. fun having you. Um, my pleasure and- for having me. Thank you so much for sharing your thoughts, for letting me pick your brain about your work. And yeah, I cannot wait to see what's coming next for you. Yeah, thanks so much. Thanks for having me, Martin. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this new episode of Backstage Talk. Remember to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Backstage Talk Podcast. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.